everyone, and welcome to Race Time Radio. No Joe Jr. tonight. He is down seeing Kevin Hart live in Toronto, the lucky dude. But didn't he miss a cup race today? Man, that was some excitement at the end of that, baby. Uh, Got to put it out to Ross Chastain in the number one. Uh, met Ross right when he started his truck career at Daytona. And uh, I've been following him all the way through, of course. And good to see Ross Chastain going to join Joey Logano. He's going to join Christopher Bell. And how about our own Napa car? Uh, we got Elliot Chase in the chase. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Phoenix next weekend. You won't want to miss it. Uh, we'll have more on that a little bit later tonight. I got a full field rundown that I can give you if we get enough time. Let me tell you who we got coming on the show tonight. We got a dandy lineup for you. Absolutely off the top. We're going to catch up with a brand new general manager, full fledged general manager, I might add, Dan McLeod from the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour out on Canada's East Coast is going to join us. We'll look back on 2022. We'll look forward into 2023 of course you got to know early on right now not a lot of stuff has been totally cemented but i can well imagine there are some plans some good ideas that dan is going to have going forward with his first full year at the controls of uh, one of canada's hottest tours out on canada's east coast so dan mcleod gonna join us right off the top We'll also hear from Anthony Leak. Of course, Anthony, we haven't caught up with him in a long time. It's going to be a little bit different this time. Anthony's going to join us via video. At least we're going to try it. He's going to be our guinea pig this time around. But we'll catch up with Anthony Leak, guaranteed here tonight. And we'll talk to him about uh, the season they had up at uh, up in Conora, Lake of the Woods Speedway. And we'll find out how things went at that big, beautiful dirt track. And again, have a look into the future and find out what we can look forward to in 2022. Uh, then we're going to go off to Canada's West Coast. We're going to grab Neil, uh, Neil Snyder. And Neil is the marketing director and business development for Sutherland Automotive Speedway. So we'll check in with the guys at uh, Auto Clearing. It used to be Auto Clearing. My mouth keeps going there, but it is Sutherland Automotive Speedway. We'll catch up with Neil on the show tonight. Alex Tagliani has been doing some racing this weekend. He did Canada Real Proud, finished second in the race. We'll catch up with Tags here tonight in hour number two, right off the top. And look at this. I got my Penticton sweater on. For good reason. We got Trevor coming on the show. Trevor Siebert, he is the promoter, uh, one of the promoters at uh, Penticton Speedway. They did some paving, some more paving. They had a little bump down in turn one and two, I believe. And uh, Trevor said, that ain't going to do no more. Uh, they went out there and they ripped all that out, repaved it all. So we'll check in with Trevor tonight and we'll find out how the repave is coming along down in turn number one and two. But what do you say we get to the hotline and welcome in the general manager of the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour. His name is Dan McLeod. He joins us now. Dan, my friend, how are you? Not too bad, Joe. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, my friend. Thanks so much for the time here tonight on Race Time Radio. Genuinely appreciate it. How'd the weekend go? Did you happen to catch that cup race today? 
I, I certainly did. That would be a that would be a tough one for any trap to uh, to duplicate. So, uh. <laughs> you wonder how he come up with that in his mind, Russ. Uh, he, you know, coming into turn three I, and just <clears throat> let that car rip and hang it I on get, the wall. I, I, I've got no idea, but it, it's one they'll talk about for. For a long time to come. Well, you you got to know it, right? The, in the in yeah. the uh, uh, highlight reel, uh, I can tell you the number one highlight now just moved to Ross Chastain. Uh, I did see some stuff, Dan, on Twitter where uh, the, I want to say it was Kyle Larson. He took exception to what Ross did. Said no, no. He said that's uh, actually makes us. Uh, Oh, how did he put it? I'm trying to remember the word he used. Disgusting was the word he used. Oh, okay. Maybe uh, maybe Carson or uh, maybe Kyle Larson was just concerned because he didn't think about that himself. So. <laughs> yeah, many of those drivers would be doing exactly the same yeah. thing, Dan, my man. Hey, how did 2022 go? I know you were there, kind of learning the role. Ken Cunning was still there. Uh, did you take over more throughout the course of the season, or did you stay in the backlight and let? Uh... No, I, I was uh, I was I was kind of hoping more to stay stay in the in the background for the this first season. Yeah, uh, Ken had some minor health issues, which which didn't allow him to get to the tracks uh, away from Scotia Speed World. So, uh, I I did sort of like step up on those away races and uh, do the best I could. Uh, there's a strong team of people uh, that make. Make my my job a lot easier. If it's a, if it's a success, they've made me look good. So at the end of the day, uh, I probably get uh, two or three years of experience in the first season. So yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You would have been uh, put into the deep end in a hurry, uh, Dan. But that's kind of cool. You, you used to come at this uh, series. Uh, you're familiar with all the guys, and all the guys oh, are yeah. pretty familiar with you, of course coming over the fence from CAT, which was a very strong part of the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour. So it wasn't like you were stepping in and they were going, hey, who's this guy? No, I've I've, I've probably been involved at some level for probably at least the last 25 or 30 years. Uh, Started started originally uh, when we we took on the sponsorship of Scott Brazier back in, I think, probably 1994. And we were Scott until... uh, uh, 2000, uh, 2002, 2004, prior to his death. And then subsequent to that, we, we were involved with the uh, Atlantic Cat 250 race, which was probably the uh, the largest race at, at uh, Scotia Speed World at that time. Oh, guaranteed, yeah, guaranteed. So, yeah, more, more than familiar with, uh, with, with, uh, with the drivers and the, and the, and the tour itself, uh, just a different perspective. In the past, I was, I was a fan and a sponsor, and now... I'm on the other side of the fence in the pit, so. Yeah, 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 on the other side. And, uh, man, the teams that you're working with are some very high-caliber, super late-model teams. They just don't get any tougher. Uh, Dan, you'd be able to go anywhere in the country and fill the role now. Um, what's it like dealing with these guys? Uh, one, thing I've, one thing I've I've always had a great uh, admiration for is the <clears throat> The degree or the amount of effort resources that these teams put into the race program, that that those resources come in the forms of uh, money, time, uh, commitment by by crew members, commitment by their families that, to allow them to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And if you go to 
oh, any of the post-op races in the last number of years, and, and you see that the, the level and the, the caliber of cal- the, 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 the cal- caliber that exists now, uh, these fellows are well positioned to run most series in the most series in the Northeast, and you know, we've got fellows now that uh, Cole Butcher, Nicholas Donald, they run down in some of those uh, uh, series in the, in the U.S. and they, and they do very well. So I think I think the the postdoc tour in the East Coast here has really uh, been an area where a lot of drivers have have honed their skills. And if you look at uh, on time trials, how close those how close those times are in the top ten, uh, they could probably stand up against both places in North America for short track racing for sure. Well, I agree. Cole Butcher just uh, today, actually, in the All American Four Hundred. Sorry, it was yesterday. It wasn't today. Yeah, it was yeah. scheduled for today, and they actually moved it ahead. Uh, and they yeah. ran the race yesterday. Uh, Cole ended up. He was right up at the front. He did have trouble. Uh, I, I don't know what happened, uh, but at the end of the race, Cole said, car number three, that's wrecked, but we'll get it fixed and we'll be ready for the derby. Uh, yeah. I did reach out to Cole to hopefully try and get him tonight, but he could be on a flight on his way home. Could be, yeah. Yeah. Could, could be flying back home now. But, <clears throat> so. and yeah. Cole, say, Cole is one of those drivers who's evolved from the, well, Cole used to race uh, motocross, and then he started in the, in the bandolero cars, mm-hmm. the legend cars, and then transitioned into the post-ops, which has tended to be a very normal uh, transition of, of, of drivers as, as they come up through the different divisions. And it seems as though they, in the, with the bandoleros, they develop that car control, and I think when they get into the legends, they get a feel for the for the weight to horsepower that, that's in the legends, which is very close to the post-ops. So it, that's what makes, I think, uh, for such a big training ground for, for these young drivers to come up too. You know, they've, they, they learn a lot of the basics on the way too. So, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We're with uh, Dan McLeod. He's the general manager of the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour. We heard from the champion this year. I believe we had every feature winner on throughout the course of the year uh, from Canada's East Coast. The uh, tracks that these guys run against are all the top tracks out on the East Coast. And, man, did they do a good job. Congratulations again to the 99 of Craig Slonwhite, the champion. He repeated this year. Uh, he's been the champion the last couple of years. Uh, Dan, do you gotta, did you find you got to rule these guys with an iron fist? Or do you find that, you know, you can talk some sense into them after they get the helmet off? Well, it just, it just all depends where the helmet's on and the helmet's off. <laughs> so, uh, and in a lot of cases, I think, if you, if you look at the driver, it, racing is a very passionate sport. I find, uh, well, I put it this way, I guess my approach is I, I want to gain their, I want to gain their respect and, uh, and have them know that what my, my goals are is that we'll have a, a level playing field that will be fair, will be consistent, and will be reasonable. And we just ask the same return. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to put on a product to the fans, and the fans do deserve uh, that they have the, the best product that's available out there. And that's that's what my goal is. And I think, uh, you know, as, as time goes on, I will find ways to tweak a lot of the uh, the race programs, some of the racing. Uh, we've already we've already met uh, uh, internally. Uh, our, our tech and rate control team. Mm-hmm. We've already met 
what's all ready to review last year and what's going to take place next year. Uh, we'll be ready to set a schedule, schedule late November, early December. And Good. So there's just, there'll be a lot of, I think, interesting things are going to come out of these meetings uh, and what we're going to announce for next year. Nothing's etched in stone yet, but uh, it's just like anything else. We have to evolve with the times. And I've, I've said quite often this year that, you know, the racers, the racers keep keep advancing and evolving, and the tour has to ensure that we evolve with them. So uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this year. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement amongst us internally as to what's going to take place and what we're going to be able to announce to the drivers when we get together at later in the year. So. Excellent. I turned the wrong button on. I had it off to cough. <laughs> uh, and, Dan, it, the season's going to come quickly. Um, you guys did try some stuff this year. Got to hand it to you. Uh, I believe it was not the Cat 250, but the Summer Clash 250. Um, yep. There was some different, uh, I don't know, segments, if you will, uh, when the guys could pit, when they didn't. Man, those teams all got mixed up. I don't think they genuinely listened in that driver's meeting or they would have had it kind of figured out. Well, it's, we, we, we tried something a little bit different. And basically, it's called control cautions. And the use of control cautions is, is, is quite uh, predominant in the U.S. And I think at the end of the day, uh, I certainly wouldn't put the, put the blame on the drivers. I think uh, they, wanted, they wanted to try some different things and some new things. Uh, we, we tried it. Uh, it works. It works well in the U.S. Uh, we tried it first. Our first attempt up here was was uh, at the Summer Clash 250, which was which used to be the uh, 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 Atlantic Cat Race, uh, and we we didn't have too much trouble with scoring. But I think the communications and the execution probably fell short on our end. Uh, Really, I think compounded the, the issues was that, was that we had a lot of cautions in that race. Oh okay? yeah. So, you, utilizing the control cautions with that with that many cautions that were taking place really extended it out. Ironically, I said we we felt terrible for the fans and the participants, but ironically, we we did tend to get a fair bit of support of the drivers for having tried something different and not to give up on it just because it didn't you know it didn't work the first time. Right. So. Right. So uh, we we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. So hopefully that'll hold some good fit for our next the next attempt that we make at something a little bit different. Hey, just proves the realities, right? We're human, and you know if you're going to break new ground, you're going to make mistakes. I believe it was. Uh, I love watching the Eagles and the history of the Eagles, and uh, I think back to Glenn Fry in that Eagles show. Uh, yeah. He said to uh, Bob Seeger, and that was one of the first guys Glenn met, and he said, you know, uh, Bob Seeger said, in order for you guys to move ahead, you're going to have to write your own songs. And he says, well, what happens if I write a bad song? And Bob says, so don't worry about it. You're going to write bad songs, but yeah. eventually you're going to write a good song and you'll figure out how. And I don't think anything's different for us, right? Even us here at Race Time Radio. We're trying different things. We're trying to move it along. Man, I'll tell you what. When I got into this radio deal, I never expected to have my mug anywhere close to a camera. And now I've got one at the uh, pretty well the tip of my nose. So things do advance and they do, you know, sort of move down the road. And that's how we all get a little bit bigger, a little bit better. Uh, What is the plan? Do you got any plans you can share with us for 2022? 
uh, or is this all stuff you got to hold for the drivers it's all, meeting? It's all it's all stuff that, that we're actually working on right now. We're looking at our we're looking at our schedule. We're looking at our our packages. Uh, we are we're also looking at how we can take and inject a little different uh, race program in, into any specific race. As I said before, uh, you know, even even though uh, the attempt at the control caution didn't didn't materialize or work out the way that they wanted. Right. Uh, there are some variations that, that we can look at. We can maybe even try them again. This time, hopefully, the execution will be better on our part. Uh, but it was it was a it was a steep learning. The control cautions were a steep learning curve for everybody. Uh, but I do believe that type of a format is something that all the drivers are looking for. And uh, because, as I said before, uh, we did get a lot of feedback from drivers that said, "No." Uh, great, and thanks for the apology for, for the long race. However, uh, the fact that you're prepared and willing to try something different, you know, mm-hmm. they appreciated that. Yeah, and then in terms of next year, like I said, it's it's early on yet. We just finished we just finished our season. Right. Our banquet uh, this coming Saturday night. Our first drivers meeting should be should be uh, mid November, uh, mm-hmm. and that's where things will really start to gel a little bit for us. So. Yeah, they'll start to take shape, no doubt. Uh, Dan, they are in good hands. Uh, from what I could see this year, uh, like amazing hands. Uh, uh, if there's any way, shape or form, let's try and get Race Time Radio back out there to call the races. Uh, I can tell you there was a lot of fans that I heard from throughout the course of the year. You're going east, you're going east. And we did for the IWK 250 and yep. thoroughly yep. enjoyed it. Loved the series. Uh, there's no doubt there. And uh, wish you nothing but success. And if there's anything that we can do, Dan, for you, um, we're here. We're here. No, uh, I certainly appreciate that, Joe. And uh, as I said, I knew you were down for the I did the Keith 250 and didn't get a chance to speak with you. Yeah. Uh, however, we look forward to seeing you down here anytime you want to make the trip. So. Yeah, she's going to be good. It'll be a good 2023. I can guarantee that, Dan. Yeah, no, no question. No, you please. betcha. We'll, We'll get, all, we'll get all the residue of the COVID, COVID-19 behind us, and I think uh, we'll all be in better shape. Yes, I do believe so. Bud, you be well, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you either at the end of November after the meetings are done, maybe into December by, you get, by the time you get everything done. But as soon yeah. as you do, I'll be watching, I'll be calling, and trying to get you back on the show, and we'll lay it all out for those fans right across Canada. Okay, Joy, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. You betcha. That is Dan McLeod. He is the general manager of the East Coast International Pro Stock Tour. And, man, what a tour out there. Uh, they're gonna be, this is going to be different. I can guarantee you that with uh, Dan at the top. Uh, Dan is a very smart businessman. Once worked with uh, Mr. Fraser. Come on. Scotty was the man behind the wheel untouchable out there one of themselves like uh, five iwk 250s dan was part of that so he understands what's going on in behind the scenes and uh that that's half the battle right there and you heard him allude to it it's gotta have everything for the fan uh the fan the sponsors like there's a lot of different avenues that you gotta look at can't look at this game one way if you do you're gonna get left in the dust you got to look at it from all perspectives. Dan McLeod's that kind of guy. You're going to see the proof in it when he gets these meetings rolling and gets things underway. But we are going to hit a break. When we come back, we're going to try something totally different here on Race Time Radio. 
You're not going to see it on Sirius XM. You're definitely going to hear it, though, on Sirius XM Channel 167. But also, try and join us on our new YouTube page. Uh, we do stream the show live there as well. Uh, the, the name, Race Time Radio TV. Type that into YouTube and presto, you're going to be able to get us. And you won't have to just look at my mug. We'll be looking at Anthony Leak and me at the same time, no doubt. Uh, we're going to try it anyway. On the other side of the break, stay with us. We will be back. Come on, wake up, honey. I got a little money coming my way. We got to get out of here. Find me some cigarettes, little whiskey and me. From coast to coast, coast, to coast you're listening to Canada to Talks. Canada Talks. Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elford. Tom Cochran's most famous song, Life of the Highway, was a number one hit in Canada, and it hit the top ten in the Billboard charts back in 1992. It was written after Tom's famine relief work overseas took place. He was so taken with what was happening there, he wrote it as a pick-me-up to himself after watching the devastation. That's why he mentioned places in the song like Khyber Pass, along with his hometown of Vancouver. Canadian Sports Trivia, here's Joe Thistle. During the 2000 NBA All-Star festivities, the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter exploded to win the dunk contest with a series of moves including a through-the-leg slam. Carter's air show was a defining moment for basketball in Canada, putting the Raptors and the entire country on the map. A championship now in the books, Canada has become a hotbed for NBA talent. And it was Vince Carter flying through the air that started it all. Canadian Sports Trivia. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. You will. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa Know How. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts stores, New Glasgow, Andy Ganesh, and Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia. You can count on Napa Know How. AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elper. Rush holds a special place in our hearts and in the record books. They've sold more than 40 million copies around the world. They have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and officers of the Order of Canada. And they've released 24 gold records and 14 platinum albums, placing them fifth for the most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums by any rock band. From the high banks of Daytona, we cover it all. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. And now, back to the Joes. Hey, shake and bake, Cal. Woo, shake and bake. Here on Race Time Radio. And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio. I'm hoping Anthony Leake can hear me on the other end, and let's hope we can hear from Anthony. Anthony, welcome to Race Time Radio. How you doing, bud? Doing great. Great to be here. Ah, we got you, and you can hear us. You can't get any better than that. Uh, Anthony Leake is the promoter, operator of uh, Lake of the Woods Speedway up in Kenora, Ontario. Beautiful dirt track that these guys built just a couple of years ago. 
Um, how did 2022 go without a pandemic, I might add, bud? It was good. It um, it's it was our fifth year of racing, and we just had our fifth anniversary of our first event last week, and uh, it, it was good. It was a really rough spring. We had lots of snow, and it was great for the snow machine racing in, in February. We run a vintage twin and a, a, a 100 lap enduro on the track. Um, but then it just rained and it rained and it rained and it rained all the way till the middle of June. And by the time we could actually get on the racetrack, the weeds were growing. So yeah, it was a rough spring, but once we got going, it was good. We, uh, we had some things with the racetrack that we wanted to get better with. We do run, you know, late afternoon racing and, uh, we came up with some new farming, uh, tools that made a huge difference and, uh, the track just got better and better. So I'm actually very excited for 2023, <laughs> uh, because I think we finally figured something out that's going to make this track, uh, racier than it's ever been. And for fans, it was good. You know, we've been kind of experimenting between Fridays and Sundays, and we've noticed that the, the Sundays have been more successful. Uh, you know, we are in Lake country here on Lake of the Woods. Uh, and Friday night, sometimes, you know, people just want to go to the cabin and get away from work and get away from the city. So um, we're going to be sticking with full Sundays uh, next year. Something about lighting that quick wick at the campfire and having yourself a couple of Frosties and downloading from the week. And then by the time you get to Sunday, hey, that's that's good race day. That's when NASCAR puts the big stuff on is Sunday. So you, you got to learn from that as well. And especially cutting new new cloth, right? You guys are Absolutely. picking your way through. Yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, we have a lot of out-of-towners too that drive, you know, they drive a couple hours to get there. And for some people, they can take the Friday off and there's other people who can get off a little early. But for for the majority of those people from out of town, uh, it's really tight. It's really tight for time. Uh, you know, we, we were doing our Friday nights, we're racing at 7.30 and if you're driving two hours, uh, you're leaving, you want to leave by 4.30 just to make it. And, and there's lots of people that work till five. It's been really good locally. We've been slowly increasing more and more local drivers, which uh, I think helps a lot because if the mm. weather's not so good, then you still have a good race if things don't turn out so well for the traveling side of things. So we're going to continue to grow that side of it. The four-cylinder class has been really good. You know, we in 2019, when we started, uh, we did a couple races in 2018, but in 2019, when we started running weekly stuff, you know, we had two or three four-cylinders racing right this this year we averaged 10 oh good yeah that's awesome so it's great in three years right to to see that kind of shift and, and a lot of them are local and and some some committed out of towners on a weekly basis and some of those drivers are now moving into our pure stock class or street stock class um for 2023 that are local so and then they're selling their cars to local people that want to get into it so it's kind right. of going according to plan up to this point <laughs> i hope that continues long term well, in the cars, whereabouts are you getting them from? Because there's no doubt Kenora is at the very edge of Ontario. Uh, you got to go a long way to get to Kenora Speedway. If you got a dirt car this weekend, you got a long drive ahead of you if you're going to go drive at uh, Lake of the Woods. Where do you draw from? So I'm originally from Emo Speedway. If you've, you know, people who have listened to me uh, be interviewed through you before. Yeah. Um, it's about 180 kilometers south of here. So we're there on, Emo's on the border of Minnesota and Kenora's 
almost exactly straight north, maybe a little bit to the west by 10, 15 kilometers. So we draw from there a little bit. Uh, on the bigger shows, we draw modifieds from there when we run our, our Wissota modifieds. Uh, and then we have some part-timers that come from there. Uh, historically, Emo hasn't had a huge amount of travelers, but we do get a few here or there. Uh, but for consistency, it's been from Winnipeg. So Winnipeg is about 200 kilometers west of Kenora. Right. Uh, it's 40 minutes to the border, about 44 kilometers to the border. And then Winnipeg's another um, 160 or so kilometers from there. And we do have like Brandon Rehill, who won our track championship the last two years. He's from St. Andrews, which is northeast of Winnipeg. Um, and he ran every week for the last couple of years. Edward Bell. Um, and then we have uh, Patrick Davis from Sioux Lookout, uh, who started racing when the track was built here. Um, so, yeah, it's been kind of, and we get Thunder Bay people every once in a while, but that's a good five-hour drive and an hour change as yeah. well because we're on Central Standard Time here while in the same province. And uh, so, we, yeah, we, we pick up people from all over the place. But the, the real good indicator is, is the growth of the local. You know, when we first started working on building at this track, we, there was maybe maybe two cars locally here, if if any. Yeah. And now we're probably eighteen to twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes time. There's no doubt. You want to see struggles? You come out to some of the uh, established speedways that have been in business like uh, fifty years or better, and they're lucky. I know one track. I took a look in the pits in July, and yeah, it was a regular night of racing, so to speak. Nothing special coming through. 27 cars in the pits 27 yeah. five divisions like yeah. man i'm telling you it the struggles that you know that the industry faces uh you guys are going even one step further than that with a brand new build yeah and what we tried to do with when looking at building the track and and, and how we would focus on the classes you know one of the formulas that worked really well in emo is having three classes you know, we can bring in a special event when I did super stocks and, and we did uh, super trucks in the past. You know, it was kind of cool. You'd get 14, 15, 16 of them and you put on this special show and you had a better crowd and everything. But, mm. you know, there was always push for like, I, th I think we ran four classes at one point when we had mini sprints in the early 2000s. But that class was kind of dwindling and we knew that there needed to be a replacement of some sort. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people who say like three, four classes makes it into a good program, you know, a couple hours, two and a half at the most, but it also allows people to get into the sport and pick something. You know, one of the, I think right. the issues that happened years ago was that everyone wanted to get into a different type of car. And I don't know why that happened, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of tracks that might only had two, three classes in the eighties. And by the mid 19 to late 1990s, they had five, six classes, right? Oh yeah. And there's that, 17 and, of them now in Ontario, yeah. 17 classes. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough. There's like 695 yeah. racers. Why, yeah. if they would have left it at three or four divisions, then, you know, how, how many cars would you have? You, you'd have a lot in each one, but it isn't that way. It's not that way. No. They, they were trying to evolve. So I get it because I was part of it. And I think that on top of that, on uh, you, you make a good point there, but I think that it, there was a lot of assumption on that, you know, eternal growth. Hmm. And by adding classes, you know, you would hope that people would fill in other the, the classes that currently exist and you just keep growing. And I think that it's just a mistake. It was a mistake. I mean, when you're in the moment, it made sense because you had so much that people wanted to, 
you know, instead of one class where there's 40 cars, well, you could have two classes where there's 20, 25 in each. So everyone has a chance to run yep. from the qualifying event all the way to the feature, right? Not sending then, anybody home. That's right. Yeah. And then when it starts to shrink, when the driver base starts to shrink and everything, well, now it doesn't look so good to have five or six classes. Cause now you only have 10 cars in each class. Yeah. Um, but Still hindsight's got a lot of cars there. Right? Yep. 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 It sure is. It sure is. We are with Anthony Leake. He's the promoter. Lake of the Woods Speedway up in Kenora, Ontario. New build just a couple of years ago. Dirt track. Beautiful little dirt track. I've seen the photos. Uh, you guys have done an amazing job. When it comes time for rules, and that's probably the stage you're at right now, is formulating the rules. Do you touch them? Do you leave them alone? Uh, are you aligned with the Wasota Modifieds if you got a modified class? Or are you aligning yourself with somebody to try and gain more cars that way? Or what do you got happening there? So when you're building, starting a new track and you have other established tracks, you know, one of the things we looked at is that we're going to have to stick with where we want to sanction. So when we pick our classes, we looked at, you know, what's entry level, what's accessible uh, in terms of cost, in terms of total cars. So we went with the four cylinders as an entry level and then the pure stocks, which is the more traditional V8 full body stock car. And then the Midwest Modifieds. Midwest Modifieds is the biggest class in Wissota. Winnipeg runs them, Thunder Bay runs them, Emo runs them, and, and most of the tracks on the border. Is that the so one it, that it, Mike runs? Mike, um, Mike Balkan, Amber, Amber Balkan's dad. No, he runs a late model. Yeah, oh, so okay. Mike runs a late model. Oh, okay. um, if you're thinking Midwest mod up here, you know we usually think of people like uh, Austin Hunter out of Winnipeg. Um, Is that what Steve Arpin uh, come out of? Steve came out of an, a modified because he started getting into racing in the late '90s. He started in a mini sprint and then went to a modified. But the Midwest modifieds didn't become a class in Wissota until about 2000 ah. and uh, in Emo in 2004. Gotcha. Uh, although his father did run a Midwest mod in 2004 to 2007 in Emo uh, when the class came into existence. And really, I think we've talked about it before, the difference between the, what kind of happened in Wissota was that the modifieds were getting more and more expensive. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was to create a, a, a more cost-effective modified that right. had um, an older modified chassis with a more limited engine. Trade engine um, or something. Yeah. Kind of how limited late models work today for yep. our crate late models. Yep. Well, and, they're gone uh, now. They're gone now. We haven't got any. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a real a shame. You know, I look at Sunset yeah. Speedway. Four years ago, they had, I want to say, 34 limited late models running under the NASCAR banner. It was a dogfight. It was an excellent show. And I do not know to this day what happened other than... They changed the rules, they changed the rules, and it got more expensive. So I, I, I do believe, and I could be wrong, but I do believe they were pushing them more towards a, a Pro-Light model to try and boost that end. And it right. blew up. It, I know it did at Sobble Beach. Uh, it right. definitely blew up. But uh, I digress. When we get yeah. to, uh, are you at the stage now where you're setting the rules, and do they go in stone? So originally, the four cylinders we got from Winnipeg's rule package, um, because we knew we would have to draw from travelers, we wanted to make sure that we aligned as best we could. Uh, and we knew we had a lot of interest in the pure stock thing. And, and you know, dirt and asphalt, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a bit of differences in terms of how rules work and how some of the racing works even in and of itself. So it's hard to do like a one-to-one -one comparison. 
on things because limited late models have actually been somewhat successful in a lot of the dirt tracks in Minnesota. Right. Um, but you know, we, we kind of work with the drivers. I try to work with Winnipeg in the past on having a rule package that's consistent. Um, and of course, Emil's been interested in it lately. Thunder Bay runs our rule package, which is the same as, as Winnipeg. Cool. Um, but for the, for the pure stocks, it was really, we were unsanctioned and we tried looking at sanctioning with Wasola and, and possibly changing engine packages, but to go from a 350 to 305 just didn't make sense. So what Wasola's right. worked with us really hard at allowing us to create what we call a northern pure stock Wissota region right where our cars can't race in the Wissota national system um but theirs can run here and we can continue to run a parallel rule package of what we have or what a Wissota car might want to run i think those are that's going to change and shift and we might end up as a Wissota street stock eventually i think just the way for reliability and availability of parts mm-hmm. it's inevitable that these these older pure stock chassis and stuff are going to have to and parts are going to have to move to a more more standardized system and we might be full with sort of street stock in three to five years but really it's working with the other racetracks trying to find a way that works with what currently exists and where we're trending to and just trying to have a plan long term in order to keep the sustainability of the classes without getting it spiraling out of control as well so right. it's a difficult thing to do but we try not to change too much yeah. <laughs> unless we have to well, it's a balancing act. It always is. Uh, the promoters being you, man, you guys got your work cut out because you got to try and please the race base. It's not a democratic society. You can't just lay it out and say, okay, boys, we're going to vote on one thing. If you do it, you're done. So you can't do that. You got to sort of go by the dictatorship. But every single decision you make has to include money, fans, racers pit gate it all goes on and on so every decision you make has to affect those and if you're affecting one more than the other man it's a time that you got to hold up and you know hold the line and it's a tough tough thing to do i did it for 14 years um and, and i did it with some of the best and craftiest racers that you can imagine uh back in the day and i i, I loved it i loved it but i'll tell you what if your feet aren't, uh, if your heart isn't bouncing under your chest when your feet hit the ground in the morning, you're not making the right choices. You got to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's. There's so many plates on the table at the end of the day, and you try to juggle it all. And everyone has a perspective, whether you're a fan or, um, you know, our, our operation is is run by volunteers, and you know they all they all want to pitch in in terms of how they can make it better, which is great. And I always try to have an open door, communicative. Uh, a relationship with drivers and sponsors and fans and volunteers alike to to try to do our best, you know, and we can't yeah. make everybody happy. That's just the reality of it. But we try to at least give opportunity for people to speak when they like to, you know, Terry Volts, who was executive director and involved in Wissota for a lot of years, he says, just because we don't decide upon what you're saying, right. doesn't mean we didn't listen. Yep. And I think that's really important that, uh, yeah, you know what? The decision might not always go your way, mm-hmm. but as long as we can approach from the perspective that at least we'd listen to what you had to say and try to incorporate it in some way, if we can't, we can't, but we will do our best to try to listen and, and make it work. And sometimes it works that way. Sometimes it doesn't just like out on the yeah. racetrack, right? Sometimes yeah. you win them. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Yeah. If you just ask the 14 car, he wanted that race to be eight laps less today. And right. he, he could have won it, or maybe he could have tried to rush Justine, and he could have won it. But uh, anyway, 
uh, dynamite show today. Uh, that was one of the better NASCAR races I've watched in a long time. I can't believe that. I can't believe. I can't believe there. it either, and I don't think anybody else can. Um, but uh, tell you what, there's going to be some controversy over that baby. Uh, you want to cho- tune into Sirius XM NASCAR Radio tomorrow? <laughs> I can. I, I wouldn't want to be. Uh, I wouldn't want to be Dave. <laughs> He's going to no. field a billion calls, uh, and it's going to be incredible. But Anthony. The reason why all this even developed is I started to see your schedule being posted already. Uh, is that uh, somewhat of a firm schedule, or what do you think in there? It's relatively firm. The racetracks don't change a whole significant amount on each year. I think the only thing that might change is the type of event we might have in terms of classes. Um, but even in, in my time in Emo, you know, unless you're popping in a special event here or there, your schedule's pretty set. You know, none of the tracks here. I mean, once you go stateside, there's all sorts of dates. But on the Canadian side, you know, Thunder Bay's Wednesdays. Emo Saturdays. We've been Friday and Sundays and, and Winnipeg's on Thursdays. And, and when Morden used to run, they were Sundays, but they're, you know, four hours away from us. So, you know, there's a lot of separation between the tracks and, and there's drivers in each of those regions. So no one's really overstepping anybody. We, we you know, I work, try to work well with the other racetracks and, and overall that's been good with most of the tracks here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I and I know the people from Emo and, uh, you know, I used to work with them when I was in Emo. So we, we talk about how we want to schedule where they're going to take a night off and right. we run a two day show uh, or they might run the Friday, Saturday, because we used to run the Fridays and we went to Sunday so that people who are traveling home, if they're going through the Kenora way to get to Winnipeg or whatever, they have another show to go back to on their way. Instead of just one show, eight hour round trip, they can do two shows in an eight hour round trip, right? Um, because people want to race. And so to put the schedule together, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, because of that, because mm-hmm. we kind of have an idea what we're doing uh, after five years of scheduling and working with the other racetracks, but also because with soda, we submit our sanctioning contract around this time of the year. And we have to submit at least a, uh, a tentative one of our start and end dates. So if you know what your start date of the season is going to be, and you yeah. kind of know what your end date is going to be based on the sanctioning body. Well, it's pretty easy to fill in the rest of the gaps, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. what makes it pretty easy to do. Yeah. Finally tonight, uh, anybody that's listening that is south of Kenora and they have a dirt car, and they're thinking, man, I'm going to go to Winnipeg or I'm going to be heading out west. Maybe I could take my car and stop on my holidays at Kenora and jump into a race, have a look at the schedule. What are the chances they're going to be able to fit? What are the chances they'd be able to jump into a race? Well, it depends on what they're driving. We do get people that are wondering, you know, if the car that they have, especially like people from Alberta and stuff who say, you know, like how close, you know, if I'm IMCA sport mod, what changes do I have to make? So we'll, we'll, we'll let drivers know ahead of time. I mean, what we run in dirt track here is, is slightly different than what's run in dirt track in Southern Ontario, partly because of the sanctioning bodies as well as local rule packages. So, you know, if they're interested or they look at the photos from the website and they go, that kind of looks like my car, right, you right. know, send me the rule package and, and we'll see what we can do. And I can work with our sanctioning tech, uh, sanctioning body tech guy at Wissota there, Bill, and uh, see if we can make it work. And if it's a one-off, even just to turn some hot laps or something like that, just to give it a shot to turn some laps or we can run a bit of a race maybe with four other five other cars as part of a show and just see how they'd match up so you know we can make it work on a local level if there's a few guys and they could maybe take at the back end of hot laps or an extra little exhibition race at the end of the show like we'll make it work if someone hauls their 
their car up this way. That's cool. That's cool. And I guess pack lead. They've always got lead in their race shops. Just if you're going to go, pack some lead. You may not need it, but if you got it and it could get you into a race that pays a couple of bucks on your holidays, you can experience another dirt track. You could have a lot of fun. But, uh, Anthony, this has been great catching up with you. I know through the offseason, buddy, we're going to get together again and get an update and see how everything cements in uh, for you guys. Uh, just You're doing a great job, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Great seeing you here tonight, too. And you did great. You Look at the video worked. <laughs> yeah. I like sometimes it's it's nice to be the uh, the hamster in this whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did great. That's Anthony Leak. Uh, you can check him out at Lake of the Woods Speedway, of course, uh, and uh, Kenora Speedway. Google it. Google it. Check it out. You can get up there and see Anthony uh, and uh, maybe get your car into one of the shows. Uh, do it. Do it. If you're heading west, you might as well take your race car. Uh, you're almost all the way out to the west when you hit Kenora, the end of Ontario. If you haven't done the drive, trust me, it's a long one, uh, but it's, uh, it's well worth the trip. We're going to hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go a little further west than Anthony Leake. We're going to go to Saskatoon. We're going to grab ourselves Neil Sh- uh, Schneider, and he's going to join us all live next here on Race Time Radio. We will be back. time to get back to the racetracks for over 30 years quick quick fire starters have fueled the sport on and off the track making lighting your campfire as easy as one two three there's no need for kindling or paper just pop your quick quick fire starter in the pit add your wood and presto you're a pro quick quick fire starters no harmful chemicals and guaranteed to light your fire every time Quick Quick Fire Starters, the world's best fire starter. Rev TV, your motorsports and automotive destination. Watch live races from around the world and right here at home from two wheels to four and so much more. Rev TV is your source for motorsports. Rev TV features exclusive race series, up-to-date news coverage, documentaries, how-to programs, and adrenaline-filled lifestyle programs 24-7. Go green with Rev TV. Contact your TV provider to order. Tonight's Race Time Radio is fueled by AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. If you're a Springsteen fan, you just found the promised land. Hear rare interviews and performances. Live concerts. Is there anybody alive? Celebrity guest DJs. This is Rob Lowe. Hey, baby, it's little Steven here. And more exclusives when listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to be here. E Street Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 20. Canadian Sports Trivia. Here's Joe Thistle. During the 2000 NBA All-Star festivities, the Toronto Raptors' Vince Carter exploded to win the dunk contest with a series of moves including a through-the-leg slam. Carter's air show was a defining moment for basketball in Canada, putting the Raptors and the entire country on the map. A championship now in the books, Canada has become a hotbed for NBA talent. And it was Vince Carter flying through the air that started it all. Canadian Sports Trivia. 
Men, 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 morning men. Hi, I'm Evan Cohen, and I'm Mike Babchak. We were given 30 seconds to describe our show, Morning Men, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, so I'll ask you some questions, and you give me the answers. What do we do for fun? You? Go to the diner with your family. Me? I drink and forget I have a family. Biggest crush? You? Tom Brady. Me? Anyone in yoga pants. What do we want to do more of? You? Talk about what happened the night before in the world of sports. Me? I would like to do more of my wife. I think we just ran out of time. Morning Men, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, and the Sirius XM app. Gentlemen, start your engine. Welcome back to Race Time Radio. Oh, I always like it. That's Joey Vinegar. Check him out. Get to Joey Vinegar. Uh, You can try that on YouTube. Try it on uh, Google. Just Google it. Joey Vinegar. And have a listen to his tunes. Man, the guy's got it on. Uh, And he's part of Race Time Radio. Let's get back to the hotline, shall we? And let's welcome in from Saskatoon, Sutherland Automotive Speedway, the guy with his hands on the controls of development. Marketing. We got Neil Snyder with us. What's going on there, Neil man? Hey, good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing, <laughs> doing real good. If I could uh, get rid of this cough, I'd be doing even better, buddy. But uh, I digress. How are things out at Sutherland Automotive Speedway? Well, you know, right now uh, we're we're just coming off probably one of our our largest seasons we had, one of our best seasons we had in a in a in a number of years. Um, once. Uh, Everything got rolling. Um, it seemed probably about mid mid summer. Um, it just took off, and and uh, we had a great uh, turnout for fans. We had the our inaugural Bridge uh, City Two Hundred event this year. Mm-hmm. You know, ten thousand dollar to win. That went off there without a hitch. We had over twenty cars, which was great. And we've uh, already announced, you know, twenty twenty three August twelfth uh, will be the second annual and. Uh, Uh, Bridge City 200. I I had guys, Neil, across this country asking me, hey, Joe, who's got a special? Who's got a special? I got weeks off or I got a day off or I'm not running that series anymore. Uh, Where where do I pick up a special? And I did. I pointed to the Bridge City 200. Of course, right at the beginning of the year, we had the Rattler 300 all the way out in B.C., which uh, another one that paid huge money. And uh, it just... You guys did a great job at that Bridge City 200. I actually got to Sutherland Automotive Speedway for the RS1 Cup Series race. Finally got oh, yeah. a chance to see you and Rich and all the guys. Uh, hadn't seen everybody in years. But I'll tell you what, that's a beautiful speedway you guys have got. You know, it's one of the only volunteer-run member facilities around, right? So it's all... Volunteer hours put into this thing. We've been around. We celebrated our 60th anniversary this year, so we actually had uh, actually at the Bridge City 200 was was our reunion race where we had past members and we had guys that originally started this whole circus that we have here in Saskatoon, right? But um, you know they were there, and and it was great to see all the old faces, all the old members, past members. It was uh, it was great. Did uh, Al make it out? It. Uh, yeah, Al was out. We actually donated a. We actually uh, named a grandstand after him. Did you? So, yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome and very very good. Well earned, I would say. Well, yeah, he's. Uh, I'm sure he sold he sold enough fifty fifty to help 
pay for the banner and everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> with the Bridge City 200, that is the marquee event for the Speedway. I know you get the NASCAR Pinty Series out there. That's another big one. Uh, but yep. for pro late model style racing, super late models, if you will, um, yeah, it's the Bridge City 200 that would, you know, sort of get the attention of everybody across the country. What do you do for rules on that one? The They kind of, you know, they kind of looked after before in the past. They kind of looked at the Jocasta system they had. Um, but then last year they kind of switched it up and, and it was more a, like a crate-only package that mm-hmm. they were kind of running with or staying with with that 604 crate. Yep. Um, and right now they're kind of looking at the rules as a whole just because of the Rattler and, and everything else, right? So right. Um, rules very early in the new year. They should have a rule package finalized, and that'll be on our website. And then we're going to hit the ground running here first, first of January and really start promoting this event and trying to get some more people people from other tracks oh yeah 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 and that's that's the key right you got to be early you got to get the word out you've already got the bridge city 200 announced uh i'm sorry but did you just say the date of it or is it movable yeah, no, august 12th august 12th 2023 is when we're going okay lots of camping available for that weekend anybody that's coming across the country is it uh camping uh, uh yeah, like, we have available some, some camping available uh, obviously our parking lot is kind of we we have a nice facility, a great track, but our parking lot is kind of smaller than it than it than it should be. So right. part, we do have some camping, um, and uh, we have camping available nearby. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And call right if you, if this is your intention, you're going to go and you need to camp or you want to camp. Make sure you call and get a hold of Neil, and he can set you up uh, as oh, yeah. as as long as space provides. So. Uh, you may want to call early, <laughs> more so than <laughs> yeah, late. Yeah, the better. Yeah, yeah. So, champions this year at Sutherland Automotive Speedway. Did I read where uh, our, our number 12 car was the champ? Did Matt get it? Mr. Shirley, yeah. Matt Shirley had a quite a phenomenal season this year, if you think about it. You know, with all his uh, uh, jumping around, you know, he was able to go out to the Rattler and take part in that. So, uh I'm not sure if that helped them this year, but that whole that whole pro late model division this year was so tight. Like going into the last event, once again they were they were fighting over points, and and uh, he he came out on top, so which was great. Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. I watched him at the Rattler. I did uh, speak with him just before he got into his Pindy's car. We had him on the radio show, and uh, good on him, good on him. He had oh, a yeah. good run. He had a good run all the way around. Um, and that's the thing with that racetrack that you guys have got there. Uh, if you get good on that speedway, man, you can be good pretty well anywhere in this country. You know, I I race down in uh, at the Bullring in Vegas every now and then, and, and uh, we make a small change on our car. Basically, we take a, a chip out on our sportsman car, a 6300 chip, and we throw a 6500 chip, and no no setup difference whatsoever we just go out and race it just go go yeah 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 that's the way to do it and uh we also had like our our points fund this year for our pro late models was ten thousand dollars we had a ten thousand dollar point fund you know based out for for our division so Mm -hmm. we we saw a few more cars than we normally would have they they came out of the woodworks and and uh 
you know, we're we're looking at if we get a little little bit more sponsored dollars, you know, we'll up it a little bit more, right? But sure. That's our goal is to stay what we got. Perfect, perfect. So meeting dates. When uh, when when have you got laid out for meeting dates, or are they announced yet? As far as like our rules and, and everything else, rules, like that, drivers meeting, and then final schedule yeah, coming out. They're looking actually. I think um, uh, third week of November is when we're looking at having all our division meetings. Nice. And then we just uh, voted in our new executive here, so that just all got passed in the first first Monday here in November. Is that's their um, inaugural meeting for all the the new executives? So. By the time we have all our rules in place and everything, we're looking, you know, we're December, first, first, second week of December. We're actually hoping to have our schedule re- released shortly after that. Shortly there. And then as well as the rules for the pro late model event, uh, the Bird City 200. That'll be, like I said, early January. Who's the new president? Do we have a new president? Did that change or just the executive nope. below? Nope, nope. Still, still Andy Clues is our president. Nice. Um, Jeff Kozak, vice, and then Brent Olson, longtime uh, second vice. So, yeah, no, the, the top of the the top of the ship is still there. So. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's the way to have it. You know what, Neil? This has been great catching up with you, bud. I really, really appreciate the time on race time, and I know we'll check in with you over the off season and see how things are going at Sutherland Automotive Speedway. Sound good? Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for all you do for racing and, and getting. All our local tracks and everything else, a chance to uh, get out there and, and stand on our soapbox and start yelling what we have available for the, the new year. So thanks again. Thanks hey. to all the fans for listening. And remember, just support your local race track, right? So exactly. Well said, my friend. Well said. And do me a favor say hi to Rich. I will do that. You want to believe it. That is uh, Neil. Neil uh, out in Saskatoon. Neil Snyder, uh, and he's a racer. He's also dedicated to the Speedway and uh, does a great job out there uh, with everything. Uh, he's a great big guy. Uh, I met him out there when I was out there doing the RS1 Cup Series race, and uh, what a talented bunch of people. And as mentioned, it's all volunteer ran, the whole thing. They're all volunteers. Nobody's getting paid, and... The track is owned by all the racers. Uh, You can buy a share at the Speedway. It's owned by like 450 people. It's called the Saskatoon Stock Car Racing Association, and it has that Speedway. What a model. It's just amazing. We are up tight to the top of the hour. Got to throw it back to the guys in Toronto to get you up to date on any news and highlights that you may have missed in hour number one. And then we're coming back for hour number two. And Alex Tagliani is going to be up first. He raced in Mexico today. Fingers crossed we get tags on the other side of this uh, short 90-second break. Stay with us. Back to you guys in Toronto. Get us up to date, will you? You're listening to Canada Talks on Sirius XM, Channel 167. Time Radio is brought to you by the Quality Inn, Halifax Airport, the official stay of the Race Time Radio broadcast crew. Also by APX Racewear, the motorsports leader in custom crew apparel and fire suits. Also by the Wooden Door Bistro. Hello, Chase Elliott. He gets turned into the outside wall. Holy cow! The thrill of the race. He's way sideways. 
You just never know how it's going to play out. Insider access to the drivers. We'll roll with it. We're enjoying it. We'll, we'll collect as many trophies as we can. Alright, let's go finish this thing, baby. It's a new normal. Better figure it out. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Channel 90. Thank you, you are the man! We're back with our number two of Race Time Radio. With the two Joes. Here on Race Time Radio. On Sirius XM 167. Where Canada talks. And welcome back, everyone, to Race Time Radio. Not the two Joes tonight, oh no. Only the old guy here in the studio, the young one, is down there watching Kevin Hart in Toronto. Can you imagine he took a night off after spotting for like 70 teams over the course of the summer? And now he's down there watching Kevin Hart. Having a blast, I would hope. Uh, but uh, we are live on Race Time on Sirius XM Channel 167 Canada Talks. And don't forget to check out our new YouTube channel, Race Time Radio TV. Check it out. We do the show live on there and on racetimeradio.com, performancemotorsportnetwork.com. Also, re-airs Race Time Radio three times throughout the course of the week, and we want to thank them for doing that. Let's get back to the hotline, shall we? This next guest Always, and I repeat, always does Canada proud. He did it again this weekend. He ran the Freightliner, I think it was Freightliner, Legends uh, uh, race at in Mexico. The Mexico GP, Alex Tagliani, our own, was down there, and he almost won himself a race. He joins us on the hotline. What's going on, Tags? How are you, buddy? Hey, how are you, everyone? Doing fantastic, man. Uh, congratulations on a good run in Mexico. Tell us about that. Well, um, you know, first of all, um, you know, the entire weekend, I have to say, was, uh, was really amazing because, uh, you know, it was, it was put together by the promoter of the Formula One Grand Prix of Mexico and uh, Michel Jourdain, uh, ex um, in the car driver. Uh, he runs the Super Copa series here, um, and uh, he's the distributor of Hoosier tires for uh, NASCAR Mexico and, and for uh, that series. So, um, you know, they decided to put a concept together where, you know, a bunch of guys from IndyCar would, would come back and, and, and race uh, as a support race during the F1 Grand Prix. And, and I tell you, it was... Uh, I was overwhelmed. Uh, I was not expecting that. Uh, the last time I, um, I I saw such a electric atmosphere at a racetrack was uh, Indianapolis 500, and uh, and uh, it was it was uh, it was amazing. Um, so that that was a lot of fun. Um, you know the race. Uh, you know obviously with all those guys, you know big names in in the sport, uh, in IndyCar, and seeing them. Um, we uh, we really enjoy ourselves here, and we really got a good time. You know, first of all, it was such a long time we didn't see each other, uh, so that was a blast. And um, and uh, and learning about this series, I, I really I really think that uh, I learned a lot of things um, that I can bring back to uh, NASCAR Canada, and hope that uh, you know we can uh, improve improve our series, improve our sport. I mean. Uh, we always learn, but uh, yeah, the car were 
absolutely amazing to drive, and um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was always and and always very proud to uh, to see the Canadian flag um, on an F1 podium in the middle of a stadium, you know, packed with like uh, yeah, you know, hundred thousand people. It was uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was cool. Pretty wild tags. Uh, you always represent us well, but to see guys like Max, Max Pappas, I believe, was in that race. Uh, I seen you with Paul Tracy. I seen a photo with you and Paul Tracy, and we got to send our condolences. I believe Paul lost uh, his dad. I believe uh, just a week or yeah. so ago. Uh, so our thoughts out to uh, Paul Tracy for sure. Uh, but it was great seeing some of the photos, and you know, I took a look at Max Pappas. I couldn't believe he was going to get back into a car. How did he do? Who won the race? So uh, Michel Jourdain won the race. Um, you know, the um, and I finished second. Um, you know, I, I um, drove back to him. Uh, it was it was going to be a tight race, but just a bit too short. Um, you know, we we were matched with a. Um, with, with another driver, so everyone was matched with another driver, and uh, and so I was going to start the race the way my my co-driver was finishing his race right. on Saturday. So um, you know my co-driver was doing you know a good race, but uh, but then he had a penalty, and um, and then he had fun, and fun uh, fighting with another driver, so I uh, finished I think uh, ninth. Um, so we started ninth. And, uh, you know, it was a good fight. Um, I worked quite hard to get to Michelle. Michelle, I think. And um, so by the time I got to him in the last lap, I think I picked up a, a back marker in the, in the fast chicane in the back. And, and I was eight-tenths of a second behind him. And I, I went back to 1.9 seconds behind him. And, and I finished uh, 1.1 seconds. So wow. just... Um, you know, just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, I think the way we finished, it was it was proper. You know, it was he he worked so hard for for putting this race together, um, and uh, you know, I was glad to see him enjoy the win. Um, and then he said that I pushed him pretty hard, and he had nothing left at the end. I, I had nothing left. I pushed so hard to pass people. I mean, we ran a one fifty one seven. Um, the second fastest lap was, was uh, Michelle at a 152.1, so we were four times quicker than him, but I did all those qualifiers so soon that when I got to him, you know, I was able to follow, but I didn't have anything left in the tires to, uh, to give it a go. So it was, um, it was a, a good finish. I think he deserved it because he put so much effort in. And, you know, I would like to see this concept uh, being replicated um, elsewhere, you know, maybe at GT. We are uh, maybe at Indianapolis and, and, and doing like a triple crown um, of, of uh, this type of format. Um, yeah. I know that uh, we, we spoke with uh, you know, Dominic at GP3R already. Um, you know, we've seen before, you know, those guys have worked hard to bring the uh, FIA Rally Cross Championship as a second race during the, um, the two weeks of, uh, of racing in, in Three Rivers. So, Maybe that should be a concept that that will uh, will be pleasing the fans. I don't know. There's uh, there's more to talk, but uh, like I said, I learned a lot about the series, the car, the build, uh, what they run. You know, for for brakes, for shocks, for for all that stuff, and uh, for motors. Um, yeah, 
there's, yeah. there's so much I would like to uh, to say to the folks at NASCAR in Canada to uh, I think to improve our sports and you know our financials and everything. It's just uh, it's out there, right? It's it's it's, it's, uh, it's out there for us to grab. We just have to uh, you know discuss about it and and try to see if it's a possibility to take you know the best of what's out there and and uh, implemented it into our series. Yeah, and using those same NASCAR uh, uh, Pinty's cars that you guys used, like they're uh, an amazing race machine. Uh, were the Mexico cars just a little bit different, uh, Alex? Were they, uh, like, what type of differences were they inside the car? Did it feel like it? Yeah, so the, the chassis is a TA2 chassis. Obviously, it's built by uh, someone in the U.S., uh, the same builder that built TA2 chassis for Trans Am. Uh, series. Um, the motor is an LS3 motor um, with a restrictor on it. Um, so I think the car lacks a little bit of horsepower, uh, but obviously you can you can remove the restrictor to give it a little bit of more grunt. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, obviously the braking system is just out of this world. Um, the shocks are are really not expensive, but they're they're proper racing shocks. Uh, it makes the platform and the car <laughs> just amazing to drive. And, uh, you know, they're running Hoosier here. Uh, it's the same as, as, as us, you know, the General Tire is the right. company. Uh, but they're running uh, a bike life tire on an 18-inch rim. Uh, we're running on a 15-inch. Um, so, you know, they're, they're already going towards where, you know, Cup went. You know, the... the the shifting is, is paddle shift, six-speed box, um, very reliable. Um, I mean, it has everything you need. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it feels a lot like a NASCAR car because because the chassis, it's a tubular chassis, and, and it's built, you know, with the mentality of, of, of NASCAR and, and Trans Am. But um, I, just, I just think the components around are making it, uh, you know, quite nice. Uh, I mean, it's a Formula One racetrack, and we were not missing any horsepower, even though probably on the dyno, that engine configuration would have a lot less horsepower than than our engine. Right. But um, I mean, we were I mean, we were all in the straightaway, and uh, that's the Formula One racetrack. So, and we don't have these type of tracks in in NASCAR Canada. The biggest track we have with the longest straightaway is, is Mossport. Um, so. Yeah, I just think there's there's a lot to learn, and and uh, it's a very affordable series, <laughs> way more affordable than than us, and uh, and and with much bigger technology in the cars. So there's there's some there's some thinking uh, for sure there. I mean, uh, I, I'm glad I did it, and um, you know, maybe maybe this is gonna open discussions for always trying to improve. You know our series because that's that's my focus, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. want to try to improve NASCAR Canada because that's that's where I am. But listen, at the end of the day, I, I left the track today, and um, I've got two offers <laughs> to run full time here <laughs> from two uh, two teams. So um, yeah, it was <laughs> no. Now it's uh, who knows? No, right? no, guess, no, uh, no, no. You're crazy. stopping right there. You're not running in Mexico full time next year. We need you in Canada. <laughs> no, listen, listen. I'm uh, I'm committed to I'm committed to NASCAR Canada. Obviously, I, I'm working with uh, 
tremendous sponsors uh, for a long time, and uh, you know I've been with uh, the 22 racing team also for a long time, and we've been very close to championship, you know, too many times, and yeah. um, and now with uh, with with my association with Quick Wick and and the the, the tag four pack edition and, and all the Rona store, it's just you know so. So many good things that just uh, you know started in 2022. We're not about to leave all that behind, but yeah, but uh, kind of nice you know, to get the offers, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's great. I mean, I see it, it's a big it's a big market here. I mean, the the population is heavy, and uh, you know the series is growing. Um, they're doing a fantastic job, and uh, the cars are good. I mean. They, they're running with Mercedes body, but you know I would not be surprised if in the future you see different manufacturers' bodies, you know, joining up. And and to me, what's really interesting is that you know they're gonna they're gonna do the body no matter what, and they're gonna let the team decide which body they want to run. You know, something that you know NASCAR should also consider on on our side. You know, I mean, um, uh, someone should build <clears throat> the body and. Uh, four, five, six different manufacturers and, and each and every team has a choice, you know, to start the season with whatever they want um, to open up the opportunity to knock at some dealer's door and, and get some money, right? That's yeah. always the, the hard thing. So, yeah, I was here. I enjoyed my time racing, but at the same time, I was sneaking around and, <laughs> and always trying to learn, you know, what other people do better and what other people do worse, right? To, yeah. to, uh, to always try to stay at the top. Well, and they could have created a monster, Alex, sending you to Mexico, uh, having a good time. And But you know what? That's where research, development, and all that stuff comes from. Uh, kind of cool. You finished second today in what was a dynamite race. Uh, w- w- did that one air live somewhere, or is it going to come up? Do you know, Alex? Uh, yeah, it was it was on Fox Sport here. I mean, the rights were the rights belong to Fox in in Mexico, and uh, and you know they also have the rights to the Formula One here. So um, you know they they only air that race live uh, here, but uh, I'm sure it's gonna come out at some point, and uh, we'll be able to share it with uh, with all our Canadian fans. Um, yeah, it's, it was definitely a, a fun race. I mean, we were here, uh, you know, as um, fast, you know, IndyCar drivers and, and, and racers and, and try to have fun. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all, we're all racers. So yeah. when the green flag dropped, I mean, we were pushing. I mean, Casey Mears, a lot of experience in, in NASCAR, and, and um, he, was, uh, he was on the pole with his co-driver qualifying on the pole. Um, you know, Paul was, uh, was fourth. Uh, you know, there was a lot of quick drivers out there and, and some regulars as well, right? I mean, Mario Dominguez. Uh, Michelle Jourdain, uh, our, um, our regulars here, uh, Luis Diaz, that was, uh, you know, second for a long time in the race. They all have their own cars and they race regularly in that series. So it was, it was not easy, but, uh, we had some amazing fights on track and, uh, I can't wait to see the, you know, the replay. Yeah, I, me neither. I'll be watching. You can guarantee it, Alex. Uh, question now for you uh, that we've got this taken care of. You're coming home. You're a busy guy when you get home. I see you started a, a new podcast, new broadcast uh, that is going to help as well. Re- uh, tell us about that. Uh, I just I missed the last part. Sorry, buddy. 
Oh, that's okay. Uh, I was playing with the board. I probably turned something the wrong way. Can you hear me now? Yeah, very good, very good. Okay. Uh, you are going to be a busy guy when you get home. Uh, you've got stuff going on. You've got a new broadcast that you're doing. Can you tell us about it? Well, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on something, but uh, it's not for right right now. Um, I'm, I'm leaving Mexico City tomorrow morning. Right. I'm arriving home, uh, you know, in the afternoon, and then the next day I fly right away to Daytona. I have a test in uh, GT3. Um, you know, so we have a week test there with um, with the BMW M4 GT3, and um, in preparation of the 24 hours. So um, yeah, just just enough time, 12 hours to uh, do some laundry and uh, wash the suits and and get the bags ready and just jump on a plane again. So uh, that that's gonna get me another week away from home. Right. Um, I'm sure that uh, from uh, from 3 p.m. that I land to uh, to um, to when Eva's gonna go out for Halloween, I'm, I'm gonna try to also uh, come home and pass on some um, some candies and some tag on the go cookies for uh, for the kids at home, and um, and she expects me to um, to join the family and to be like vampire family, so my costume is waiting for me there. <laughs> And uh, as soon as she's in bed, I'm just going to repack my luggage and get ready to leave. Yeah, she'll wake up and the big vampire will be gone. He'll be gone down to Daytona to run again. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's two weeks of, uh, of of cool racing, very busy. Uh, I think it's going to slow down after that, and uh, and then we'll, we'll be on some... Um, on some other projects. Well, th- then it'll be Christmas. By the time you get back and finished up, you'll be, uh, you know, the the tree will be up, and it'll be uh, just about time to celebrate Christmas. And uh, is it safe to say, Alex, that you're gonna be NASCAR Pinties next year full time again? Um, <clears throat> listen, I, um, I mean, you know me for a long time. I, I just, um, you know, I don't like to. Um, make announcement until everything is uh, set and done right um but i can um i can say that uh we are working extremely hard um on some projects um on the technical side right and on the commercial side so i mean the plan is to uh to be back and and run full-time and um so there's uh, there's a lot of talk, you know, um, happening as we speak to uh, to create something, you know, bigger, stronger, better, mm-hmm. um, and um, and you know, there's already things in motion. I can say, Good. so I'm excited about that, and uh, I think it's going to uh, bring something new, right, to uh, to my program and. Um, and I think it's, uh, we're going to benefit from it, you know, on, on performance and speed and all that. So that uh, that's already gone. I can tell you that much. Um, and uh, and there's more to come. So, but like I said, until everything is fully firmed up, I would like to uh, just keep things close to my chest and um, and wait until everything is uh, set in stone. 
Well, nothing wrong with that, Alex Tagliani. That's why you're a professional. Uh, I just thought I'd ask. Maybe it was done. But uh, I know you're going to be a busy guy in 2023. I can guarantee it. But coming off a second-place finish today in Mexico, or not today, that was yesterday, right? No, no, I actually was, it was this afternoon. I just, um, I just, I just walked out uh, of the track and got back to the hotel. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's crazy here. I can tell you, um, you know, I mean, there's, uh, they, they, they did a fantastic job to promote the race and, uh, everything we've done from outside to inside the paddock, you know, the fan zone. And I mean, they, you know, it, it's crazy. Like how many years I've been in racing. And still, you know, kind of be amazed of what people can come up with ideas. And I really like to, I really like to learn about all these things because it just opens up my mind. And and um, and I think, you know, when you uh, when you learn from from other people's, you know, idea, I think it it could just improve, you know, your stuff as well. So I'm uh, I'm very glad that uh, I came here and uh, I saw all this. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, good guy to send down there, I'll tell you that. Canada's going to profit by it. We'll have a bunch of new ideas. Alex, you got to thank you for your time tonight on Race Time Radio. As always, we appreciate it wholeheartedly. I know the listenership loves hearing from you. And uh, congratulations on a podium finish today in Mexico, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, and thanks to all your fans. You betcha. That is Alex Tagliani. Uh, second place today on the podium, much less, uh, in, in uh, Mexico. Uh, you heard him. He's not going to be down there very long. He's going to be back home tomorrow. Got to do Halloween with his little girl. And then phew, off to Daytona and get the stuff ready to go for the 24 hours of Daytona. Uh, tags will be teamed up with a bunch of good guys. You can guarantee it. We're going to hit this break, and we're hopefully going to get Trevor Siebert on the other side of it. Stay around. We will be back. She was a girl in a short dress. I was a boy in a charcoal vest. When the winter wind came calling, that orange like a stalling. I was the one who kept you waiting. From coast to coast, coast to coast, you're listening to Canada Talks. To Canada Talks. Canadian Sports Trivia. Here's Joe Thistle. November 24th, 2019, the 107th Grey Cup in Calgary, and Winnipeg's 33-12 defeat of the Hamilton Tiger Cats signaled the end of one of the longest droughts in CFL history. It was the Blue Bombers' first championship since 1990, and for running back Andrew Harris, it was doubly historic as he was named most valuable player and most valuable Canadian. A first in Grey Cup lore. Canadian Sports Trivia. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, Nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, New Glasgow, Andy Ganesh, and Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia. You can count on Napa know-how. AP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Epic Racewear. Look, feel, be epic at epicracewear.ca. 
Now, a flashback in Canadian music history. Here's Eric Elper. Rush holds a special place in our hearts and in the record books. They've sold more than 40 million copies around the world. They have a star in the Hollywood Rock of Fame, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and officers of the Order of Canada. And they've released 24 gold records and 14 platinum albums, placing them fifth for the most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums by any rock band. From the high banks of Daytona, we cover it all. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. And now, back to the Joes. Hey, shake and bake, Al! Woo! Shake and bake! And here on Race Time Radio. And welcome back, everybody, live tonight on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. We are live on Racetimeradio.com. And how about live on our YouTube channel? Just type in Racetime Radio TV, and you can pop right into the studio here. If uh, we, we got a little bit of time here. Uh, I, I'm about 15 minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes ahead of getting Trevor Siebert on this show to talk about the changes at Penticton Speedway. Um, so I've actually got some time. I haven't got Joe here to talk to. Uh, Sue's all the way in the control room. So if you would like to call in, if you got, uh, did you happen to see the end of that uh, NASCAR race today? How about the end of yesterday's Xfinity race? That was exciting as well. Uh, a lot of fans were doing a lot of booing at the end of the Xfinity race. Um, but if you got some thoughts on that and you want to call us in, you can do that. we got a little opening right now. The phone number is 519-371-7588. 371-7588. Or if we're friends on Facebook, you can always video call us, video call in, and uh, we'll actually be able to see you when you do it. We can do it that way too. So there's two different ways. But the end of the NASCAR uh, race today was, like, I mean, right off the charts. If you didn't see what Ross Chastain did today, uh, the 95 won the race. And we got to congratulate Christopher Bell. He was on the outside looking in. He was the guy, I want to say he was like 49 points out. Uh, so he didn't have the only chance Christopher Bell had to make the big stage was to win the race today. That's what he had to do. And there was 25 laps left to go and a caution come out. So uh, Christopher Bell, his crew chief, said, look, if one or two or maybe even three guys start coming down pit road, you're coming down and we're going to put four tires on your car. The 14 cars stayed out on old rubber. The 41 cars stayed out on old rubber uh, doing the track position because it's pretty hard. Like track position was everything today. Uh, Christopher Bell came down and he picked up four. Denny Hamlin grabbed four tires. Quite a few guys in that line. Uh, I do believe Ryan even picked up in the 12 car. I think he picked up four tires. Uh, went back on the track and they dropped the green flag. Well, the 14 car and the 41 car on old tires were doing fantastic. And I thought, wow, new tires aren't going to do it. Uh, you know, the new tire guys, they're not coming. Like, they were a little bit, but they weren't coming. And it was, uh, what, 10, 15 to go? Well, you should have seen the guy with the four skins come then. Uh, they started moving through the field. Christopher Bell was running the leader down, caught the leader, and got by him. 
Uh, five to go, then two to go, then white flag. Christopher Bell's going to win this race, hands down. He wins the race. Ross Chastain is out of the championship by two points. That's two cars. Denny Hamlin had made his way up. I want to say he was second or third. Um, no, yeah, he was like second or third. Anyway, Ross Chastain going in to turn number three. Uh, it came into his mind, I guess, and he thought, I'm going to rim ride this track. And he put the car, the right side of the car, right against the wall. And he put his foot to the floor. And I'm telling you what, you got to see this. Uh, if it isn't on every highlight reel, on every newscast in the country, uh, I don't know what the sport, like, I don't know what NASCAR has got to do to infiltrate and get on every sports broadcast. But I'll tell you, it was the wildest move I have ever seen in my 30 years following the sport. Never, ever seen anything like that. With Chastain, he put it right up against the fence and did like a video game. He just put his foot right to the floor. He said he reached down and grabbed fifth gear and just put his foot right to the floor, and he was right to the chip. He come off turn four, and you got to remember, there's a little gate there where the cars cross, and uh, surprisingly, he didn't hit that gate. Uh, the car, I don't know whether he steered it by it. I, I can't see how he could because the car was glued to the fence. But the amount of speed, someone said near the end of the broadcast that Ross Chastain picked up two and a half seconds um, just just in that short distance. Uh, but when you see the car, it looks like a, it, it was coming like a bullet. And he passed Denny at the line. I'm going to say by a fender. Uh, that's about it. Sur surprised everybody. Everybody on the property. Everyone on the broadcast. And my jaw hit the table. I couldn't believe it. Ross Chastain, uh, he's the real deal, that guy. He's had a great year. Think about it. Two years ago, uh, he he mentioned it in an interview I've seen. He, two years ago, Ross Chastain was uh, at uh, the Southern 500. And he was there with Spire Motorsports. They were begging to try and get a change of tires. Uh, it was shoestring like like you'd never believe. Uh, they shouldn't have been there, but Ross Chastain did. And, uh, man, did he do a job. He did a job today. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm on the loving side. Uh, it was amazing to watch, to see. Unbelievable. Couldn't believe my eyes, but... Uh, we have got Trevor Siebert on the hotline. He's been a busy guy working at Penticton Speedway. You can see it right here. Yeah. And the RS1 Cup Series right there. Um, he's been a busy guy. Uh, they had a little bump going into one of the turns, and I know Trevor said, that's got to go. And he joins us now on the hotline. What's going on tonight there, Trevor Siebert? How are you? Hey, nice to hear from you again, Joe. Uh, just... Uh I was going to say I was taking a day off, but that would be a lie because I, I flew to Vancouver after working on the Speedway yesterday and had a meeting with a bunch of the guys on uh, on a bunch of future projects that we're doing. And so, yeah, I spent the day uh, looking at that. that so, much, so much for an off-season, right? There goes your off-season. You're going to fill it up doing stuff. Well, you know, that that whole thing with the bump and turn one at, uh, at the Speedway there, we've been talking about it all summer and 
And it's, it's been interesting because a lot of guys, they don't take it out. It adds character to the track. And, you know, I was probably solidly in that same camp, you know. And if you can get a car to work through those bumps like we, like Ronnie and I did in, at the Rattler, we had our cars working pretty good through those. And a few other guys managed to get their cars working pretty good there. You, you don't want it to go away. You feel like it's an advantage. But the reality of it is we're building a... Um, you know, a modern racetrack or building, rebuilding a track to turn into a modern racetrack, and uh, we just can't have that out there. So I had the grinder out there for about five minutes. I was telling everybody before I realized that it was definitely the right thing to do. Yeah, it was. It was, Trev. Uh, watching the 300, now what a race. Man, I'll tell you what. That race was probably, uh, for me, that was the short track race of the year. Uh, and that's, that's saying a lot because I've seen a lot of short track races this year. That one there took the cake. Two hours, 59 minutes, 300 laps with a break in the middle. Um, uh, you want drama? We had drama. Uh, you know, the battle for the last chance, the Baker's Dozen. Uh, the guy leading the race, going to transfer into the big show on uh, Friday night, going down the back stretch, happens, happens to uh, bobble just a bit. And Mark Barrio ended up on his lid sliding up the track on his lid, trying to win that race. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just set the tone for the whole thing. And watching the 300, we had everything. Riley went into the pits, and the the rule was you got to wait for the horn. You wait for the horn before the team attacks the car to give you what you want. Riley pulled in, and one of the crew members... Didn't listen, and the meeting went over and started touching the car. Now, he didn't do anything, but he touched the car. And in the driver's meeting, Trevor, that was not only running the race, but he was, uh, you know, directing as well. He said, nobody touches the car. And who's out his windshield? But Riley. Riley's out his windshield. And uh, he, he said to his crew, you better tell those guys. Riley's got a penalty. He's going to be going to the rear, and Riley was the leader of the 300. you got to know, he worked his ass off getting to the front of the field. There was no slouches in that field. It was a hard go, eh, Trev, to make it back to the front, but what a show. Well, it was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, I know Riley was pretty upset about it uh, just because they messed it up, but but uh, it didn't bother me quite as much. Uh, I was more embarrassed than anything else because both of us got put to the back, and I was the guy who wrote the rule. <laughs> and I was pretty adamant at the driver's meeting. I, I mean, I wasn't the, the competition director, but some of the guys were wondering about it, and, and we were pretty we were pretty sure to make sure that everybody got it. They couldn't touch the car until until the horn went off. So everybody got the same opportunity to get in and get squared up in the pit because our pit lane is pretty small and. <laughs> And I could, I was sitting in my car taking a break, and um, and I could hear all the screaming and hollering and people pointing at uh, pointing at Rise. <laughs> and I was like, "What the heck are they screaming about over there?" And uh, and then I realized that what, what was going on. And I got on the radio and, and I talked to talked to uh, Jeff Walt, you know, our crew chief, was crew chief on both cars, and and um, and uh, I said, "Hey, did." Did we touch my car too? Because of course I wasn't up on the jack ring yet, so I didn't know if they're touching. He says, "Well, I don't know if the guys touched it or not." And I said, "Well, that's all I need to know. <laughs> I'm going to the back with Riley." And uh, said, "Well, I don't think we need to." I said, "No, nope, we're going to the back. There's no discussion. I, I can't be the promoter, yeah, and the guy who writes the rule, and then forget about the bloody rule and be the the only two guys that 
that it had the infraction and not go to the back. I said, I'll never hear the end of it. So both of us went to the back, mm-hmm. if you recall. And, uh, of course, left uh, everybody wondering what the heck was going on because the fans had no idea why him and I came in to the break uh, in one position, one and two, mm. and then came back out, and we were dead last. And, and uh, that confused a lot of people. Oh, it confused me, I'll tell you. I was calling the race along with Cole Sorensen and... Uh, we had Brad Mann there from uh, New Brunswick. Brad was down in the center. Uh, we all knew that it was uh, 0969 going in 1 2. And when it come back out, and 09 and 60, uh, uh, pardon me, 0969 were at the rear. I mean, what the hell's going on? How come those guys are there? We got the message finally and went, oh, that makes sense if they got on the cars early. Uh, but that just shows you there was no bias in this race. None. I can guarantee you that. And uh, what a show did we end up with. Uh, man, oh, man, it was something else. And there was good racing all year, really, at Penticton Speedway. Uh, I heard lots over the course of the summer. Uh, it all shook out fairly well, did it, uh, for you, Trev? You know, I think it was uh it was a big success all in all. You know, we came out of COVID. Everybody did with uh, all these tracks, not being able to run events and not being able to put people in grandstands. It was our first season of, of owning the track where we were actually able to sell tickets to anybody. Uh, more than, I think it was 50 people we were allowed last year, which was ridiculous. Um, so it was, it was it was a big success from that standpoint. You know, we got a, a lot of new fans. Um you know, you're going to get the low line free. You're going to get the you're going to get the hardcore race fan that 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 will come to just about anything, and that's um, you know we certainly appreciate that. But what we need to do in our sport is is introduce it to new people all the time. And and um, one of the things that we really focused on was was our marketing and and trying to get new people out to the track and maybe get some people that hadn't been to the track and in a lot of years. And and uh, and we did. We got a lot of that. We got a lot of people coming up. You know, giving us compliments, which uh, you know, some days you work your ass off. You just wonder if you're getting anywhere, and, and it's when people come and compliment you on what's going on with the improvements in the track, with what's going on, uh, you know, the direction you're taking, the the fact that uh, you know you're really putting a lot of time and effort, money into into things for the fans, trying to do interaction with the fans. You know, you knew you're doing the right things, and and we've got a whole bucket list of things that we have left to do, uh, you know, going forward. But we've got good bones there now. You know, with with most of our capital expenditures on the, on the facility itself, as far as the track itself goes, are most of them are behind us. Um, you know, and then we smaller projects like the one we did here over the weekend, where we we took those bumps out of turn one and two, and it's going to completely change that racetrack as well. And you saw yourself that when we rebuilt um, turn three four, that was a complete redesign that I did after we bought the track, mm-hmm. totally tore it up and put the progressive banking in there. And, right up to 16 and a half degrees on the outside groove and it promoted side-by-side racing which is what i wanted to do because that track historically like many short tracks it's just uh, you know they're so short and not much banking you can't help but be single lane and so it's a bump and run bump and run everywhere you go and that's never been my style i you know it's uh you do it when you have to but i don't think it promotes great racing because you end up having a lot of wrecks a lot of yellow flags it takes a lot of the fluidity out of the out of the event um you know, you look at our event, you already mentioned at the time that, that we started right from driver introductions to the time we took the checkered flag for a 300 lap race was, was pretty darn good. Um, we, we didn't have that many yellows when it came right down to it. 
you know, the guys did a hell of a job racing side by side. And um, the improvements that we're doing in turn turn one and two now are really going to help that as well. You know, the jury's out a little bit. I was I was a little bit worried that we'd turn it back into a one-lane track at that end mm-hmm. again, but I don't think that's going to happen. That's simply because, you know, the outside groove in turn three and four is, I don't know, kind of where I like to be anyway. So if, if you happen to be outside in turn one, two, even if you need to stay with somebody there, you're going to be in pretty good shape when you get to the other end. And, and so that makes it a two-lane track. And now that we've taken the bump out, the way it used to be, you'd either try and drive below it and hug the wall on the inside, or you'd try and drive above it. Right. And uh, lots of times you couldn't, you couldn't because of the, you know, the traffic, and you'd, you'd hit that bump at the worst possible time and maybe wash up the track and take the guy on, on the outside of you and give him a nice shot at the door, and, and lots of times that just turned into a melee. So it's going to promote better racing. It's going to promote you know, safer racing, and, and it's going to promote not having so many yellows and just keep the race going. Nobody really cares to watch yellow flags. So if we can run 300-lap race out there and maybe only have five or six yellows all night, I mean, that's, that's what I'm aiming for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. No one wants to go sit there and watch caution laps all the way around. Uh, it, it drives you nuts. I know I, I read some of the posts. Uh, when I seen the uh, you know the, the the work going on at Penticton, and the sprint car guys absolutely love it. They said, "Man, is that going to change our racing? Uh, it's going to it's really going to improve it." Did you grind that bump out and then repave over top of that, Trev? Yeah. So what we did is we, um, you know, that track's kind of interesting. It was built in 1969, and and they've done various different you know, paving jobs along the way. I can't profess to, to say I know of any of them. I mean, it was pretty old when they built it, right? So, um, but you find out as, as you do improvements. So when I took three-quarters of the wall down in that place, you get to see what was there for the outside of the track. And in some places, it was only an inch thick. In other places, it was a foot thick. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, over the years, probably different improvements or maybe they had some soft spots or different things. So, when you run a grinder on a track, you run the risk of, of penetrating through the, the surface of the asphalt and getting down into what we call the base, which is your gravel. Right. And um, and so we actually did uh, penetrate through in a couple spots. It was no big deal. We get down into the the gravel and the sand. A lot of that track is built straight on the natural sand that's there. Um, but the grinder that we use is it has a set of uh, what are called sonics and it reads the ground. So you, you put one out in front of the grinder and one behind it and it basically uses those signals to average out the, uh, the distance between the two sonics and it works, you know, a bit like a grader. Um, yeah. And so it, it'll take your high spots and your low spots off. But, you know, when you consider that a track that has eight or nine degrees banking in it and it's turning and fairly sharp to a small radius track like that, you're, it's like trying to grind the inside of a of a salad bowl or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. you know, you get all kinds of wild compound curves going on in there. But it turned out really well. And, and, you know, so in some places we took maybe, let's say, an inch. In other places there would be three inches, uh, depending on what you had for a bump and what it took off. And, yeah. and so that profiled the track pretty well. And then whatever was left over, that the grinder didn't take out the paver theoretically should take out the rest and um so uh how do i put this i guess if uh if there's still any kind of uh, significant bumps in there then it's probably uh my screw up at that point and i'll have to take 
responsibility for it. But uh, <laughs> I'll just say that I guess my excuse will be if there's still a bump in that track, I'll just say I'm trying to appease everybody, the people that want to go, and people still want one, so I paid one back into it. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of popcorn under there, guys. We did it just for the fans. But uh, quick story. I got a quick one for you. Uh, repaving Sobble Speedway back in 1997, I think it was. Uh, get get the whole EC King crew in there, and there's a lot of guys, and they got truckloads of asphalt ready to go. And the day before it comes, and they send out that grinding unit. It was all the way out in Nova Scotia. They brought it all the way from Nova Scotia to Sobble Speedway. Uh, it's got those automatic levelers and uh, their eyes that sort of point down at the surface. Well, my dad was still alive back then, and he said, Joe, you got a lot of guys here. He said, should I run down to Tim Hortons and get everybody coffee? I said, yeah, Dad, that'd be a great idea. Here's some money. Grab coffees for everybody and grab a bunch of donuts. So that's what he did. He was gone, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes and shows back up. And it was my job to go around to the crews that were out grinding the track and getting ready and doing their thing. I handed him a coffee, the guy that was operating the machine. Well, he and I said, do you want a donut? So he went to set the coffee down. He put it down on the step where he would step to step onto the unit. And uh, he went to dig into the, the donut box. And all of a sudden, the grinder went just right up on its side and it started grinding like huge. It was really throwing stuff. And he automatically hit the kill switch on the thing and it stopped and he said, I don't know what the hell's going on with this machine, but look at the grinding disc, and it was really going. And uh, the the big boss, his boss, showed up, and he goes, whose coffee is that? And the operator said, it's mine. You want a, a Tucker went and got a whole bunch. You want one? He goes, no, I want you to lift it off where you got it sitting. He took his coffee back in the machine and went, shh, <laughs> and levels right out again. He goes, there's eyes on this. That's how it's doing it. Don't put anything here. So uh, that's what happened at Sobble Speedway. So I get it when you say it, you know, it's grinding along and all of a sudden it starts taking more. Uh, sometimes those eyes will be picking stuff up, right? That was such a long story, I lost them. I lost well, it- <laughs> It's, it's interesting because we have the same sonic eyes on the paver, too. So Riley runs the paver, and I do all the rolling. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have a bunch of other guys helping out. But his his job when we do this stuff, and it was the same when we did the, the uh, renovations in Turn 3-4, but he looks after the paving, and, and I look after rolling it because they're both pretty important how you go about it. And, again, you know, no one left to blame, I guess. If you do it wrong, you blame yourself, and you're the guy that's got a race on it. Yeah. Um, but... You know, the eyes, like, so when, when we were using the paver, you're, the eyes are following what the grinder left behind. And, uh, and I, you know, I've got a few pictures of it, but in some places we, we encountered places that, uh, that were paved multiple times over. And so let's say go down two inches and there's a half an inch of, of a layer of, of that same layer left on top of the other one. Well, it peels off. You take the sweeper and you go to sweep all the grindings off and it starts peeling some of that layer off, uh, which is not the end of the world. But when the eyes go over it, they start reading different depths because every time there's a little divot or something that, that peeled up, you know, the eyes, probably like your coffee cup, it's wondering what's going on. So, right. So there's a bit of a hybrid between having the eyes working on there and then having to use your own eyes to, to, to see what's going on. And, and you know, 
for those that don't know how a paver works, um, any change that you make on a paver usually takes the full length of the paver to make the change. So if you're getting too thin with your asphalt or you're getting too heavy with your asphalt or you're starting to pave a dip or a hump into it and you, and you make a change, you you got to go ahead about 15 feet before anything appreciable really happens. Right. And so, you know, it can get pretty western in there when you start dialing things up the wrong way. Now you're getting too high, and now you got to go the other way, and, and you can really mess it up in a hurry. So I think overall we did a pretty darn good job. I know we did in turn three, four. I thought it turned out fantastic for the amount of banking we had in that corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one only has about half as much banking as the other end of the track does. Uh, but when I left the track, there was pretty cool when we, when we paved it too. It was only six degrees when we started, which is pretty cold. So you got to work fast because you can only roll it when it's hot. Once it gets down below a certain temperature, below about eighty degrees or so, you can't. It's not very malleable anymore to move it around. Right. So it 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 went down pretty darn good. But by the end of the by the end of the day, I had to leave it alone. But I really wanted to hop in my pickup truck and rip a couple laps off there and see what the heck we had. But uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do that yet, and I was going to do it this morning, but then I flew to Vancouver for a meeting. So I still haven't driven around it, because that's probably going to be your next question, wondering how it turned out. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, I'll probably go dig one of the Camaros, one of the Avion Camaros out of the shop when I get back, and, you know, even just a street car, and just try it out and see, see what the ride is like on there. Well, Penticton is in good shape now, so even more improvements done. Uh, while well, I got you, Trevor, I want to ask you about RS1. How is uh, things happening at uh, Labor Shop there? How is things looking at Avion Motorsports? You know, really good. We like, So the meeting I had today, uh, you know, I can't say too much about it, but we've got some really, really exciting things that we're working on going forward here. And if, uh, if they come to fruition the way they want, um, you know, and we get the success out of them that we want. This thing is going to change motorsports again. Um, it really will, and I can say that I'm being pretty bold about that statement. But I'm I'm pretty excited about. It. I've got a, a great team working on it, um, and some of the stuff that these guys are coming up with. It's, it's, you know, it's, sometimes you got to get out of your own way a little bit too, right? And and that's what's going on. So I met with these these people today to get a follow up on on where they're at with some things. I I stayed out of the last meeting or two, so that I didn't. Um, influence what was going on and let some other minds kind of have a say because like they say is sometimes you can have a bit of what i call founder's disease right where i don't know i guess you could just think you got all the answers and uh it, it's incredible when you let some other people have a turn at least to have a think tank going on and 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 throw some stuff at you and you go damn why didn't i think of that yeah but uh but it's great so so, um, yeah, lots of great things coming up with the RS1 program for sure. You know, I think we had a really successful year there, too. Lots of cars, lots of car count. 27 cars uh, now and counting. Mm-hmm. You know, big names came into the – some additional big names came into the field with, you know, guys like Cameron Haley coming and, and, and running with us this year and, and you know, a, a bunch of new names in the challenge field that uh, – some young talent there that proved that they're going to be – something to beat not in the challenge you're going to move right out of that pretty quick and, and be running in in cup well, very soon i can see it i'm probably only a year or two away from riding around looking at their tail lights so jack it's all the things that i'd hoped it would be and and it's growing and it's going in the right direction uh, lots more things to work on uh you know i always feel like we're never doing enough and you know we're not um uh, because they're never satisfied but um but lots of cool things in the works 
Well, Jack Hariniak is one of the guys that I'd point at the zero one one car. Uh, he did really good in challenge. He probably won it this year. Uh, he really shined in that Cup Series, too. He started to come right along. Well, you take a guy like him who literally had, I think the story goes, he'd never been to a racetrack before they, you know, before the year they bought the car. Mm. Like, I hadn't been to one to even watch one. But I think he had some time, I believe it was on a motorbike or some things like that. So he had a bit of a, a bit of knowledge of, you know, speed and mechanical things. And you're absolutely right. He did fantastic. You, you know what he needs now is he needs somebody to mentor him and take him aside and, and do a little bit of coaching with him. And he'll be a bullet. He'll be at the front of that uh, at the front of that cup field in no time. Um, he's already running both. Now that he's won the championship in in, uh, in challenge, our rule is once you win the championship, you have to move up. You have no choice. But he was running both because we allow the challenge drivers to run with the cup drivers, not the other way around. And he was running easily mid-pack and often near the front uh, on many occasions. And so the raw talent is there. You know, lots of times when he was running at the front, if he wasn't running at the front for very long, it's because he made a mistake. And lots of them were just simple mistakes. I could see because I'm running, you know, I'm, I'm watching these guys go out there at the same time. And I said, we just give that guy some coaching and, and get him some technical advice and he'll never catch him. So, yeah. again, he's, he is one of the young guys. Uh, Jesse Webb, another young guy. We've got some interest from a, a, a few other young drivers, you know, that are that are still in their teens that are going to come on board. And, um, yeah, they'll do very well. It, 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 the series that we built is, um, is very competitive, but as you saw when you were out, um, it, it has a bit of an, an air about it that uh, I I don't feel they they have the kind of pressure on that they do uh, with a lot of other series that they could go to at the same level of competition. And, and I've tried to I've tried to impose that so that because I know what it was like. I, you know, I used to be a twenty year old race driver. You know, at one point in my life, and, and you know, you, you go to a race and I'm thinking of a place like Long Beach or somewhere like that. You know, and and you're just in awe of all the other drivers that are there, the setting that are there, the people that are there, and you know, movie stars everywhere you look, and, and you're trying to keep your head screwed on straight. You right. Know, so you just drive the car, and um, you know, I would say if I if, if I had the if I had the composure back then that I have now from from you know, I just don't get rattled anymore when it comes to that kind of stuff. But you, you, so, I guess what I'm saying is I I'm trying to build this series in such a way that a lot of these young drivers when they come to us they don't feel that pressure because it's a lot easier for them to excel and build their confidence when they don't. You don't feel all this outside pressure and, and, uh, and you know, have that on them. You go to places like even the Toronto Indy or the Vancouver Indy back in the day. I mean, it even happens at Penticton Speedway. You look at Kelly Dunkeith, who, who is our, our development driver running in the street stock, and I know she felt a lot of pressure when we picked her up as a, uh, as a, as a development driver and, and got her a new car and got them all uniforms and everything else. I had to talk to her a few times and say, you know, Ellie, just, just take it easy. You're, you're the same driver you were yesterday. So, um, you know, try not to feel the pressure. And, and I and talk to her. I think it helped a bit, but you know, you're going to get it to get right off of that. But um, that's really what we're focusing on over there is to develop a lot of these younger drivers. Uh, absolutely, and it's working. Uh, what, what a concept, what an idea. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the RS1 Cup Series, you can check all of it out. At Avion Motorsports, that's avionmotorsports.com. Have a look at it. If you're a competitor, <laughs> you want to get into one of these cars. It's affordable. It's incredible racing. 
and uh, it, it, uh, you're going to run on a variety of racetracks from world-class road course at Area 27 to Penticton Speedway. Uh, and we'll have to look and see what the schedule looks like for 2023. Trev, uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour here, so i got to make this maybe my final question to you. Uh, when will the schedules come out for both Penticton and the RS1 Cup Series? What, do you got kind of a date sort of set aside? We're hoping to have them out here in the next few weeks. Um, the RS1 uh, should be out in the next in the next couple of weeks. We got to finalize some stuff. You know, we uh, we're still working with uh, Saskatoon on the race out there, mm-hmm. and um, finalizing some things with uh, Area 27. So, but I believe in the next uh, two weeks that will be out. The Penticton uh, Speedway one, we've got most of it put together. Everybody's going to want to know about the, the Western Rattler 300. Sorry, I got some uh, sirens going by me here, mm-hmm. but. Um, as long as they're not for you, it's okay. They're, they're, they're not for me. But, uh, the Western Rattler 300 is definitely going to go ahead, and we'll have an announcement of that coming out in the next uh, short little while here. We're just working on a, on a date. It'll be similar to last year's time frame. We're thinking about pushing it uh, uh, a week down the road just so that we can guarantee the weather a little bit better for right. temperature-wise. Mm-hmm. But we also are consulting some of the tracks in the U.S. so that we're not stepping on each other's feet. I want to get a bunch of U.S. drivers up. They wanted to come last year. Most of them didn't have their COVID shot, so they couldn't cross the border. Uh, now they can. And so yeah. it'd be nice to have the international flavor there next year. I just want to make sure we're not scheduled on top of somebody else. Yep. Um, and, but that'll for sure be going ahead. Trevor? I'll, oh, I'll, I'll also say one last thing. I really, I'm, I'm watching you on your YouTube channel there, Joe, your best dressed guy in uh, eastern canada right now with what you're wearing there <laughs> yeah you love it i'll tell you what this is one of the best sweaters i own <laughs> it looks good on you uh well thank you my friend uh trevor we will definitely get you back on i know there's going to be lots to announce but we'll do everything in due time and uh i'll definitely keep my eyes pinned on everything that's happening with penticton speedway and, of course, the RS1 Cup Series. Can't thank you enough for the time tonight on Race Time. Well, thanks a lot, Joe. I really appreciate the time you give us out here. And, and you know, it's been a hell of a support for uh, for the racing in Western Canada. And uh, I think we'll be talking to you in the next short little while. We'll do some announcements, and uh, maybe I'll jump on your show if you'll have me, and, uh, and we'll go through that together. Absolutely. Next time you're videoing, you're going to be on here video, but uh, it's dynamite having you. Thanks so much, Trevor. Thanks, Joe. Have a great night. You bet. Trevor Siebert, uh, Penticton Speedway. Guy has done an amazing job. Him, Ingo, uh, like the whole staff. Price is there. there. There's lots. It's not just Trevor. It's lots. Uh, but he does such a good job, man. Uh, BC is a hotbed of racing. Uh, they got Agassi, they got Goldpen, they got uh, uh, Soda. I can't think of the name that's out towards Victoria. I know we lost one out there, but uh, give it time. We just may get a new site for that one. We'll keep you posted on everything there. But that's going to do it for us tonight on Race Time Radio. Uh, Got to thank Susie Q in the control room for hooking us up with everybody. Got to thank the guys in Toronto for hooking us up on Sirius XM. And I got to thank absolutely all of my guests and you for tuning in to Race Time Radio. We surely do appreciate it. Each and every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern is when we hit the air. Next Saturday, or next Sunday night, we will not be on Sirius XM. Uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We got a bunch of CFL content. So uh, I will leave the channel. 
but we will be back on Sirius XM. Uh, and have a good one, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Race Time Radio. Thanks for listening to Race Time Radio. Visit us on the web at www.racetimeradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time for more Race Time Radio. Come on now, dig, dig, dig. Exclusively on your home for the hardcore race fan. Excellent, buddy, excellent. 